Oh, to be found in him and then to press on to know him better. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. There are so many things about this fair cathedral that are captivating and even enchanting to me. I hope that when you walk in here sometimes you just let yourself look around and experience what the designers of this building meant for you to experience. The glorious transcendence of God, the beauty of his holiness, the, the nearness of God to his people. It's a wonderful thing that our acolytes are in Washington, D.C. this weekend uh, helping to lead worship at, uh, at the Washington National Cathedral designed by the same architect that has designed this building. And just what a blessing it is to be able to, to worship here and to, work, to walk in here and to just feel like worship just happens, it just flows up. But many things that invite me into the real world of God's story and God's beauty as antidote to the false stories and as a refuge from the baseness that surrounds us all every day. What arrests my eye every time I walk in here is the statue of Jesus above our table where the posture invites me first to be found in him. Welcome, that posture says. And then to press on to know him better, to make him known for that posture and it says, now go. That happens to be Paul's twofold message to us today, to be found and to press on. In this wonderful paragraph, in his first letter to his favorite congregation, the Philippians. Awaiting trial during what would turn out to be the first of his two imprisonments in Rome, Paul writes a thank you letter to the church in Philippi of northeastern Greece, the first church he had founded on the continent of Europe, and one that had been exceptionally supportive and faithful of his mission despite their own hardships and financial challenges. As he nears the end of his letter of thanks for their support, he reflects personally on his own gratitude to God for his having been found in Christ. And he shares his determination, no matter what, to press on to know him better. Being found and pressing on. Let's ponder those two thoughts this morning. Being found. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, you're welcome to just listen, or if you want to, to look at the verses on page 153 of the Pew Bible. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God based on faith. Can you relate to what he's saying? Now, somewhere along the way when I was growing up, 
I picked up the notion that I always had to be right. I had to know the answers and I had to be 100% right about them all the time. I lost a spelling bee in the fifth grade. And to this day, every occasion for using that word is an occasion to relive that crushing moment. Every time I write or type the word, I'm going two C's and one S, not one C and two C, not one, ah, can't even do it now. Not just one C and two S's, ah. If I got a 98% on a quiz, I would argue with my teacher for that additional 2%. Never worked. Even when I wore my red striped shirt that I knew was going to give me, well, now for other people, the issues may be different. Being the prettiest, I never had to worry about that. Being the star jock, well, I wasn't a star jock. Being the baddest or coming off as the wealthiest. No worry there either. It's all so exhausting, isn't it? No wonder so many just give up. Well, I gave up too. Because just at the point of exhaustion, Paul's words from today's passage met me. That I may be found in him not having my own righteousness. Just when it began to occur to me that I would never know enough to justify my existence by always being right, because there would always be somebody who was more right, and if 98% wasn't enough, there were going to be so many times that I wasn't going to make that 2%. Along came Paul with a better claim than mine as to righteousness under the law, blameless. You know what he said in our passage today? He said it was all rubbish. Now, actually, his term, scubala, is the Greek S word for, yes, excrement. Scubala. Feels so good. And nobody knows. Pedigree, education, exactness in theology, correctness and righteousness of political and ethical cause. All of it, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 17, is like whatever goes into the mouth, enters the stomach, and then passes into the latrine. According to Paul, it's all a bunch of scubala. Scubala compared to the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And that finally was good enough for me too. It was freeing to realize I didn't have to justify my existence by being right all the time. And ironically, that gave me the freedom to pursue knowledge better. I had to trust the one who is right and who makes right. Trust the one who is right and who makes right. Not having my own righteousness that comes from the law, my performance, my merit, my being good enough, my being bad enough, my being smart enough, but one that comes through 
And the phrase is literally the faith of Christ in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. This phrase at the end of verse 9 is not actually faith in Christ as nearly all the translations, including ours, render it. The phrase is faith of Christ. Now, it, could you bear with me just a moment while I contemplate that, the richness of that phrase with you? There's a lot of debate about its exact meaning. Is the faith of Christ Christ's faith, or is it faith like in Christ? I, I, let me offer my considered adjustment. I think whenever you take, hit a fork in the road, if you can, take it. I think for Paul, it's a multivalent term. It's deep and it's fraught with meaning. In a word, I think Paul has a double meaning. The faith of Christ is first of all Christ's own faith. And then, as in a phrase like love of country, it's also faith of Christ, faith towards Christ, faith in Christ, faith that placed its trust, placed its destiny in him. Let me explain. Okay, in the first place, Faith of Christ, Christ's own faith. Paul means that Christ exercised faith towards God and faithfully represented God on this earth. And you and I needed that. Jesus Christ knew his heavenly father and he was thus the first human to get God right. Jesus Christ was the first human to get God right. He believed his mission set in eternity was, in the thought frame of Isaiah chapter 53, death unto life for you and me who couldn't ever get life right. It was on the one hand to pour out himself to death, to bear the sin of many, to make intercession for transgressors, and therefore on the other hand, to make many righteous to find satisfaction in his knowledge, to see his offspring, to prolong his days, to be allotted a portion with the great and to divide the spoil with the strong. Here on earth as a man, Jesus trusted God to the point of allowing himself to die a criminal's death for a world of criminals. He knew his father's promise to vindicate him by raising him up and through him to grant resurrection and life to all who took refuge in him, which takes us to the other side of faith, our faith in him, our trusting that his death is ours, that his death pays for our sins, sets a pattern for our giving up our own interests for the sake of others and calls us to share in his sufferings so that when you suffer, you are never alone. There's a rich fellowship with Christ in our sufferings because he rose from the dead and is vibrantly alive in every moment of your life and mine, especially the low points. Faith is also our trusting that his resurrection likewise means our resurrection. It brings the birth of, new, of the new man within us. It means the onboard presence of the living Christ in our lives and promises that at the renewal of all things, our very bodies will be made new like his. And the bonus is that those of us who are found in him 
and who let go of everything else as so much scuba often find him giving much of it back. In him, those things are not any longer worthless filth, but gifts that have been, that have been reclaimed, refurbished, redeemed, and ready to be used to his glory and for the welfare of others. Whether it's smarts or looks or athletic prowess or moxie or resources, for as Paul says to the Corinthians, all things are yours. No longer scubula, my addition, the world or life or death or the present or the future all belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. And so then there's the second part of what Paul does in this paragraph. Share his intention, having been found in Christ, to press on, press on to know him better. Here are verses 12b through 14. I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have laid hold of it, but one thing I have laid hold of, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal, toward the prize of the heavenly calling of God in Christ Jesus. What happened to Paul is what has happened to generations of Christ followers. When grace takes hold of you, it changes everything. Grace consoles, and then it transforms. Uh, my own experience is that there's, I don't know, a stickiness to Christ that I can't shake. Jesus comforts, and then he meddles. He takes hold and won't let go. When I first started teaching myself piano a few years ago, I couldn't walk past the piano without sitting down at it for a few minutes at least. When my son Charlie caught the guitar playing bug in his teens, we hired an instructor for him. Picking him up at the end of his first lesson, I, being the ever so helpful dad, asked the instructor, well, about how often and for how long do you think Charlie should practice between lessons? Oh, said the instructor, if Charlie wants to play, you'll have a hard time stopping him. Friends, that's the Christian life. That's what it is to be found in him and then to press on to say, I've been taken hold of by something amazing and I've got to have more of that. And indeed, Charlie had been taking hold of by guitar playing, and all he wanted to do was take more and let it take more and more hold of him as he took more and more hold of it. So I, I, I have a sense of the kinds of things that means for me. I'm not sure what it might mean for you, but there's a lot of creativity in this room. Whether... Whether Jesus asks you to find a way to be redemptively involved in our crazy political process or to offer maybe a healingly prophetic voice in social media, maybe it's simply to say, I want to invest in the next generation. I want to work with our kids. 
Maybe it's rolling up your shirt sleeves with one of the ministries that we support or, or some other that the Lord brings to your attention. There, there are just so many ways. The invitation here is having been found in him, and would, would you make sure that you have been found in him? Press on and just do something. Because when you find you've been found in him, how can you do anything but press on to know him better and to make him known? Yes. 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 We close with today's collect. Almighty and Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask. Accept through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.